If you have your Bible today, I'd ask you to turn with me to <clears throat> Act to Romans uh, ch- chapter eight, uh, as we begin in verse thirty-five. We're going to talk today about not being separated from God. Romans eight, beginning in verse thirty-five: Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. From the time we are little children, we have a thing about separation. You know, little bitty kids don't want to be separated from their parents. Uh, The experts in that field tell us that Uh, When it's time to go to bed, the kids don't want to go to bed because they don't want to be separated uh, from the family, from their mother, from their father, from brothers, sisters. Uh, They don't like the separation. They don't want to go in the next room or down the hall. Uh, They want to still be with everybody. Well, have you ever been lost in the woods at night? Remember back when you were a kid, did you get uh, lost out there somewhere? Did your parents ever mess up on transportation and they left you downtown by yourself? Uh, Do you you remember being in a big mall and getting lost? And uh, you couldn't find anybody that you knew. There were a lot of people around, but you didn't know any of them. And it was tough. Separation can be a scary thing. It's chilling to be by yourself when anything out of the ordinary happens. When I was a little uh, kid, I was afraid of the dark. My mother was, so I guess I got it from her. And, uh, you know, I always wanted a a light left on. I was afraid somebody was going to get me. My brother cleared all that up when he said, well, who in the world would want you? One of the tribes in Africa has a policy <clears throat> that when they want to get rid of someone, they don't shoot them with a bow and arrow. They don't stab them with a knife. They just treat them like a non-person. I mean totally like a non-person. They don't talk to them. They don't eat with them. They don't play with them. They don't do anything with them. They isolate the one they have a grievance against. That person, of course, eventually withers away and eventually dies. It's a horrible death to be in the sight of others, yet alone. But do you know what is the worst separation in the whole world? It's to be separated from God. That is truly frightening. To be separated from God forever is worse than the worst plague you could ever think of or the worst disease that you could ever have. Paul asked the question, and we all would like an answer for it. 
Who can separate us? Who can separate us from the love of God? And then he answers the question. He says, nobody can. Nobody can do that. If we're a child of the king, nobody can separate us from him. In South America, one of the government leaders that hated all Christians was aware that a Christian was put into the prison there in the area, separated from all others. Of course, that's the way they kind of tear you down. That's the way they, they break you is that they isolate you. And that's what they did to this Christian prisoner. They had pulled out all of his fingernails. They had tortured him horribly. At night, they put him in a dirty dungeon all by himself. The Christian man prayed, Dear God, if they take me out to torture me in the morning one more time, I'm just not going to be able to resist. I'm going to have to tell them everything that I know. Lord, please, please be with me. He knew that he was weak and getting weaker, that he was going to die shortly if this continued. And all of a sudden, a Christian missionary reported this whole story. All of a sudden, it seemed to him that Christ was appearing to him in the room, there with him in the cell. And Christ said to him, I will be with you. And that revived this Christian prisoner. The next day, of course, they dragged him out and threw him down in a chair. And they were about to begin to torture him again. He said to his captors, I'm ready today for anything that you might do. Because I saw Christ last night in my cell. And he gave me strength. These barbaric captors said, we don't torture crazy people. You can go back to your cell. (laughs) And they took him back to the cell. It wasn't very much later that he escaped. Christ really was with him. The government leader that had known what all was happening and knew uh, each step and what had been going on, began to rethink his position about Christ and the people of God. The Bible says that neither tribulation nor distress nor persecution nor famine nor nakedness nor peril nor sword, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. No, Paul says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Paul said, do you know what I'm sure about? Well, I'm not sure that the Roman Empire is going to last, but I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any creature. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He is saying that there is not a past thing or a future thing or a current thing that can separate us from the Lord. And of course, when you include those three, that's everything. Will death separate us from Christ? 
Paul says, no, absolutely not. When we die, we don't die alone. We die in the presence of Jesus. Do you remember Houdini? He was the great escape artist, I'm sure you do. Uh, He could get out of anything. They'd wrap him up in chains and put a big lock on it and uh, drop him in the water and all that with all those chains around him. And he'd get away. He'd get out of it. Somehow he'd break the lock in some way and he'd get out. One time they put Houdini in a maximum prison cell. Uh, the, the big one in Washington, D.C., the best prison in the country. And the deal was that Houdini said, if you all will leave the area for an hour, I can get out of here. And they wanted to see, of course, just how secure their prison was. So they put him in there and locked the door. And uh, they all left for an hour. Well, when they came back in an hour, Houdini was standing out in the middle waving at them. He'd gotten out. And not only had he gotten out, but he had opened the cells of all the other people. And he had put them in different cells. He kind of moved everybody around. And they never knew how he did that. He was the greatest escape artist that ever lived. Now, those of you that followed his life at all, I'm sure some of you even read a book about him, When he got sick and he realized that he was going to die, he made this promise to a lot of people. He said, uh, after I die, I am going to make contact with you at Halloween. And you'll know it's me. Well, you know, now he's been gone a long time. And a lot of Halloweens have come and gone. And nobody has heard from Houdini. Uh, He didn't know the way out of the grave. He didn't conquer uh, and escape uh, from the coffin. But I do know someone who does know how to do that. His name was Jesus. He came right out. Not only did he come out, but he helped others to escape. He brought Lazarus out. I'm sure that when he came out of the grave, He realized, you realize, and all the folks through all these thousands of years realize that death does not separate us from Almighty God. A lot of people asked during Paul's lifetime, and a lot of people have asked since, how could Paul accomplish so much? He wrote all those epistles. He wrote all that theology. It was just unbelievable, the great mind that he had. And he traveled to all those different countries, all those different places. He established all those churches. He trained all those people. And then he went back and visited those churches on the second missionary journey. And he he taught them again. And he, he brought them up to speed. And he helped them. And he encouraged them. And all over the known world, he he gave out teachings and and he helped people to mature in their faith. How did he get by with that? How could he get stoned by the death mob until everybody thought he was dead and then they just threw him out and then they left and then he got up and kind of shook his head 
and walked right back into the town where he had just been arrested, where they had just taken him out to be stoned. And he went in there and preached about the love of Christ. And people said, how in the world could he do that? Someone answered, well, Paul said that he was a dead man already in Christ. And you can't kill a dead man. He had died unto sin and self and was alive forevermore in Christ Jesus. When you think like that, you can do a lot of things. Things that you wouldn't ordinarily be able to do. You can take strong Christian stands. You can stand for the value of human life. You can stand against the evil excesses of the secular press. You can push for spiritual renewal at every level of government. You can stand against these barbarians around the world today that are murdering people and cutting people's heads off. As long as we are worried about dying, there are a lot of things that we won't do. We, with that attitude, will keep to ourselves and will take care of ourselves and watch out for ourselves. If we have died unto self, then we are not afraid to live for Christ. Paul says the forces in this world cannot separate us from the Lord. God's power is greater than any power here on this earth. My dad worked at Oak Ridge, Tennessee, when they were making the uh, atom bomb. And they thought, of course, that they had done something really, really big when they finished that. It was the biggest bomb that had ever been made. And they were, of course, very proud of themselves. They thought, boy, this is something. Nothing like this has ever been before, and it hadn't. When they finished, they thought, this is the best invention that has ever been made. This is the most powerful thing in the whole world. Well, they were wrong. That's like comparing a squirt gun to Niagara Falls. Uh, God has all the power. Nothing that we can build can compare with what he's done. He created the universe. He created this earth that we're upon uh, today. No power can separate us from him. Nothing that is alive, nothing that is going to be alive, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When I was in seminary, I took all the classes that I could in theology because I wanted to know all the tough stuff, all the hard things, all the difficult things uh, that are in Scripture. And I got tired of the professors emphasizing again and again and again Paul's phrase, in Christ, on Christos. They, they talked about that over and over and over again. I heard that a hundred times or two hundred times. I didn't count, but it was a lot. They uh, just talked about it all the time. But it never really came alive for me 
Until I learned what William Barclay said about this phrase in his commentary. Barclay said that to be in Christ is like being a bird in flight. The wind is all around you and the air is all around you and you're just flying in the middle of it. Or it's like being a goldfish in a huge, huge tank and you're right in the middle of the water and you're just uh, swimming around in the middle of uh, all that liquid. To be in Christ, Barclay said, is to be completely in him. To have our breath and our walk and our meaning in him. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Paul uses this phrase, in Christ, over and over and over again. If you ask Paul where he lived, he'd say, I live in Christ. I move and have my being in Christ. There's no street address, Paul would say. I live in Christ. The most important address that you have this morning is not your home address. It's not your business address. It's not your safety deposit box. It's not where your investments are. But rather it is whether or not you are in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the secret. Because I am in Christ, I can be never separated from God. That's what the Bible says. When you are in Christ, you have his protection, his love, his church, his word, his promises. You have all those things. Is that where you are? Are you in Christ? Or are you on the outside looking in? You can be invited uh, to be in a lot of very, very special things. You can be invited to be a member of a special club or be on a special team or be a part of a special movement of some type. But you know what? All of those things are going to pass away. There was a man that used to live in Fort Worth, Texas, and he was a very, very, very rich man. And he built buildings all over Fort Worth. And guess what was prominently displayed on all those buildings? His name. It was on all the buildings. And he had buildings all over town. And I'm sure as he drove through town, looked up and saw his name on all the buildings, that was very, very, very important to him. And he thought that was just wonderful. And he thought that was a mark that was going to last forever. Well, guess what? Ten years later, 20 years later, 30 years later, they started tearing those buildings down and building bigger, bigger buildings. And guess what? His name wasn't on those buildings. And finally, there was a big article in the paperback. Finally, they tore down the last building with his name on it. He thought he was immortal because he had his big name on all those big buildings. He was dead wrong. Well, however, if you today are in Christ, you are a new creature. You are a new creation. You have a new address. You are secure forever in the love of Jesus.
Is Jesus like the air that you breathe, the environment that you live in? Or is he just sort of tacked on way down there somewhere? If you join the church, you center yourself in him. You grow in a fellowship of believers. We're all growing. None of us have ultimately arrived. We continue to grow in Christ. The ones that think they have arrived are at the wrong station. Come and grow with us in Christ. Confess him as Lord, and you will never, ever be separated from him again. A number of years ago, there was a lady named Liz Curtis Higgs. She was one of the best-known disc jockeys in America. She lived a wild, wild life. Everything that Christianity stands for, she was against. And she tried to do almost everything that was listed in the Bible. That would be wrong. She had a lifestyle totally outside of God's sphere of witness and influence. In fact, Howard Stern, who had the AM half day and she had the afternoon half day, Howard Stern went to Liz and said, you know, you've got to kind of clean up your act a little bit. (laughs) Now, if you know who Howard Stern is, he's one of the Uh, most repulsive, most ungodly people that there is anywhere. And he's telling her she needs to clean up her act. Now that really says something. Because Liz Curtis Higgs had been burned by so many men and hurt by so many men and broken by so many men, she became a militant feminist. And I want to underscore militant feminist. But she had a Christian girlfriend who kept inviting her to church. Every few months, uh, on all the holidays, the religious holidays, she would invite Liz to come to church with her. And Liz would say in words other than these, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, But she kept inviting her. And so as the years went by, one time uh, she said, you know, we're having a special thing at our church, and I I know you would like it. This guy is going to be preaching. He's really good, and I I hope you can come. Just come this one time. And she said, all right, for crying out loud. She said, I'll come one time, but only one time. One time. That's it. That's my max. One time. So she went to church. And that week, The pastor just happened to be teaching on the Bible verse that says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husband. Now that's not exactly a great verse to start with if you're talking to a militant uh, feminist. She got a little uptight, and then she got a little angry, and then she got real angry. And she thought, well... I don't want to get up and stomp out of here because it would embarrass my friend. So I'll just sit through the rest of this. Well, she continued to listen. And she actually heard the second part of that verse, which nobody ever talks about. They always talk about the first part. The second part of the verse says, And husbands, 
Sacrifice yourself. Give yourself for your wives as Christ sacrificed himself for the church and died for her. You know, most people don't ever hear the second part of the verse. Now, who's asked to give up their life, the husband or the wife? It's the husband. The husband is asked to give up his life. Well, when Liz heard that part, she leaned over to her Christian girlfriend and she said with a little cynicism, you know, I would gladly give myself to any man if he would be willing to die for me. And her friend leaned over to her and said, Liz, there is a man who loved you enough to die for you, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's how much he loves you. It wasn't too long before Liz dropped her guard, and she surrendered her life to Christ. And she became a believer. Today, she is a well-known Christian author and speaker. She is now in Christ. The Lord loved you enough to die for you as well. Do you love him? Today, uh, as we always do, we're going to have a time of invitation. We're going to invite you to... Uh, Walk down one of these aisles and commit yourself to Christ, to his church. If you've never trusted in the Lord as your Savior, you need to confess the sin of unbelief and come today and say, I want Jesus to be the Lord and Master of my life. If you need to join the church today, well, just do it. Just come down to the front. I'll say, what decision are you making? And you'll tell me. And then I'll say, well, just sit down right here on the front, and I'll give you a little piece of paper, and you'll fill that out. I'll present you to the church, and there'll be great joy in the house. Because all of us rejoice when somebody takes a step closer to Jesus. Today, if you would trust in Christ, or today, if you would come and join his church, that would be a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand together.